In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to Brads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 77, Born This Way. A little Lady Gaga for you. Mm-hmm. Love this song. I, I really love this love song too. Everything Lady Gaga does. Do you remember this video? Because I rewatched yes. it. Holy crap. It's it's graphic. Yes, it there is. is. There is a lot of simulated birth. Mm-hmm. There is a lot mm-hmm. of, um, hmm, what else? There's a lot of uh, fluids and mucuses. There is. It's an odd, an odd decision for really you know is. a visual. Yeah, but there's a, like a backstory. Like she's got narration going, and like yes, I don't know if it's really related to the song, but I like it. It's you know, go for it. It's her Lady Gaga. It just fits. Yeah, and so it's the perfect song, both her and the song mm-hmm. for the theme of uniqueness. Yes, celebrating what's unique about you. This felt good. It did. Celebrating some uniqueness. Uniqueness. It's important. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, everything's a sea of khaki. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think some of our, you know, questions might be about just being unique. Being different. Because wouldn't you say, do you think we're unique, Erin? I hope so. I hope so, too. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I don't do things to blend in, but I hope that for the most part, people are like, that's that's an odd duck. (laughs) (laughs) I would take that as a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. that's what I think. <laughs> I imagine like an actual badge that says <laughs> "odd duck" <laughs> on it, like a duck's head, two with like, two heads because oh. it's odd. Yeah, yeah. Could it be like Donald Duck on the bottom, just no pants? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, gotta be right. For sure. Mm-hmm. 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 I immediately thought uh, of Ducktales because Mason is obsessed with Ducktales. Is yeah, isn't there a new Ducktales out? Is yeah, that what he obsessed. With? Yeah, he's obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Do you know who one of the voices is on that? What? Jean Ralphio. From Parks and Rec. What? Because I follow him on Instagram and he's talking about it all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I did not know that. I got to be honest with you. I haven't watched a lot of the episodes oh. with him. 
He enjoys yeah. it and I let him. Yeah, good. Because yeah. it doesn't sound great. He has all the stuffies now, though. That was like a what thing. What are stuffies? Like stuffed animals. He calls oh, them stuffies. stuffies. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, stuffed animals. That I was are, like, what are the youths doing now? Yeah, no, that's, I don't know if that's everyone. That's a specific Mason thing. <sighs> the youths just, are in yeah. trouble. He really wanted all the DuckTales stuffies. Hmm. Does he have them all now? Mm-hmm. What does he do with the stuffies? Um, he mainly sleeps with them. Oh, okay. They sit in his bed. Okay. He sometimes like pretends to play school with them or they go on adventures, but mm. mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm curious what goes on in his head, but I don't know if we want to go there. No, That's a dark no. place. It took him like all summer and a little bit into the fall to earn them all because it was like oh, a reward system. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Was it rewards based on um, loveies? Like Mike <laughs> got into trouble with a no, while back. I... Loveys are free with me. Like he freely right. gives them. So I mine was like for doing things, not what you're supposed to do, uh-huh. but just like maybe I noticed you did something above and beyond for Aww. someone or you were extra great when we went somewhere and I didn't have to, you know. You're such a good mom with positive reinforcement. Take you to the bathroom and beat you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. The juxtaposition of my statement yeah. with yours. <laughs> Such a good comedy gold. Yeah. Yes. No, no, I don't beat them. I just reward them with ducktail stuffies. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think one thing that uh, may be unique of, of us is thinking about like what we really don't like. Yes. And maybe what even might be our personal hells. Mm. Uh, I know we've both watched the show The Good Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have really unique versions of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is your personal version of hell? My personal version of hell is just like a very vanilla, just everything's muted tones, like monotone. Okay. And we're in an awkward either meeting Mm -hmm. or moment that won't end. It just never ends. Oh, God, yeah. And you're continuing, in my version of hell, I would keep saying things that I wish I wouldn't say. Like I say something, I'm like, why did I do that? Yes. I say something, why did I do that? Yeah. And then you're not allowed the debrief afterwards where you can like talk to Mike about like, can you believe I just said this? Right. Or can you believe what they just said? No, because it never ends. It never ends. Either and maybe maybe in the version of hell, new people come in every once in a mm. while, but they're still terrible. So like it's, it's just not... small talk forever. Mm-hmm. Oh God, mm-hmm. that's really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes me want to crawl out of my skin right now it thinking does. about it. It really does. Yeah. What would your version of hell be? I mean, kind of similar. I'm okay. picturing like half the day is just video calls all oh. day long. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is icebreakers and games. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. I didn't even see it coming. Yes. Cheesy, get-to-know-you icebreakers, followed by other games, especially mm-hmm. those that involve some sort of physical activity. So summer camp. Yes. Okay. Dear God, yes. <laughs> Ugh, it sounds just terrible. It does. I mean, in that context. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm sinking into hell right now, just even thinking about it, just oh. having to do that all day long. No, come back. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, Another just out of nowhere question, which you know because you came up with these questions. Uh Um, What's the weirdest crush you've ever ever had on a fictional character? Okay, this is... Is this going to show your uniqueness, by the way? Yeah. Okay, great. And I want to preface this. No, I don't. Because there's really no explanation. (laughs) Okay. I had a huge crush. I was young. I was like elementary school. Mm -hmm. And... I think it was like replayed on some channel, but I had a huge crush on Herman Munster. Oh, ah, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. okay, okay. It makes no sense. Huh. He's a large Frankenstein that yes. is awkward and is weird and not 
attractive, but hmm. I had a huge crush on him. And I still kind of feel weird about it. Like, I still feel a little off that I had yeah. that big of a crush on Because even when I see him now, like Halloween, sometimes they show him and I get weirded out. Like, oh, that was weird. There mm-hmm. is a lot there that I want to dig into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One follow-up question. Mm-hmm. The guy that played Herman Munster was in My Cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. He was the judge. Did mm-hmm. you have the same reaction to him then? No. Okay. No. So it needed to be makeup and Frankenstein It was the Frankenstein, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's even... It's worse, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not great. It's not mm-hmm. great. It's a, it's a uniqueness that is unique, but also <laughs> suspect. <laughs> so... What do you think that uh, that has led your life to be? Like, what can you attribute to that weird crush in your life? Anything in particular? I don't know. Yeah. I think may, I, I'm sure there's your something... Your preference for true crime? That I don't... Maybe, that you maybe. That you loved Frankenstein? I guess. Pretty much. But he was kind of a bumbling idiot. Like, yeah. he was just kind of genuine and nice. Maybe you saw yourself up there. Like, oh, he's... Oh, that could be. He's klutzy. He's, he's um, a lovable outcast. Hmm. No, this isn't going good either. No. I'm not good at this psychological no. analysis, first off. And then second... <laughs> Is that a good thing? Was I, that part of the crush? Maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know. Hmm. Not sure. Hmm. Wow. I know. You know what I would really love is if some listeners would write in and tell us what this means. Like that'd why, be great. Yes. Oh my god, that would be so un- helpful. Decode why yeah. this was the thing. Yeah, because I'm out. I don't. I don't know. I don't either. I've thought about it a lot more than a person should, <laughs> and I have yet to come up with a solid reason why that would happen. So. Well, I'm uh, I'm sorry for you for yeah. that experience, but also, I mean, maybe it made you who you are today. Yeah, if it contributed in some way, I guess I'll accept it. Yeah, there you I'm go. I'm a monster. <laughs> uh, if you had to write your life as a movie trailer mm-hmm. in one sentence, what would that be? Well, first, I'm imagining the movie theater or the the trailer voice, right? Oh yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. In for a sure. world, yeah, right. So it's like in a world of fake smiles, one woman couldn't control her face. <laughs> really it's for both of us oh that's good it's really for both of us yeah i want you to add chaos and soon at the end of it (laughs) well that's good so at the end it'd be like one woman couldn't control her face and chaos reigned yeah because that's oh, always, man. if you, okay, this is a thing that the Utes don't, the, <laughs> don't remember, but when you used to go to like Blockbuster and yeah. read the back, they would always end with like chaos ensued, that's hilarity true. ensued, that's true. hijinks ensued. Yeah, love you know. ensued. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I, that is really good. Thank you. I'm impressed. Maybe, we, uh, you know, we should make a little trailer of that yeah yeah with some video and i like that idea and basically that will be our podcast trailer because that's us that's just it that's our (laughs) people will listen to it be like well i am not following what this podcast is about no where do the books come in are there books? who are the who are the ladies they can't control their faces and they read and then we don't see their faces so Mm -mm. what is this thing that Mm -mm. i'm listening to so why are you referring to your face again Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm don't overthink Ugh, it. Confusion just ensued. Po- yeah, just yeah. listen to the podcast. Stop <laughs> overthinking everything. Oh, boy. Well, anytime we can talk about a Lady Gaga song is a great 
great time. It's a great day already. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, I found some stuff very quickly on this. I in my too. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't hard. No, I think uh, maybe that's a sign of how much good literature out there is about being unique yes. and not being, you know, um, mm-hmm. just a normal person that has a fake smile. Exactly. Right? Yes. So for my fiction pick, I chose a book called Middlesex. <laughs> Your face just transformed. I, You've read this, right? I almost picked it. Did you this, really? Like literally, I was between two books and I ended up picking the other one, but I almost picked that book. What? <sighs> Ride or, or die. die. Yeah. So obviously I concur with your decision on this This is theme. amazing. Okay, great. Then yes. you can contribute mm-hmm. to this discussion as okay. well. Mm-hmm. So this comes from 2003. Yep. Jeffrey Eugenides. Eugenides? Mm-hmm. Eugenides? Sure. I'm just going to keep saying yeah, it. Yeah, you do. And it. hopefully yeah. one of them is You're way better at right. pronunciation, so I don't know why you're looking at me. Because <laughs> mine would be way off. <laughs> so in this book, the main character of the story is Calliope, who is a young person in the 1960s in Detroit. But really... It's about more than that. It's about three generations of this family, this Greek-American family starting in a very tiny village um, in the 1920s that's destroyed by the Turks, and then the family moving to Prohibition-era Detroit, and then 60s-era Gross Point, the mm-hmm. suburb of Gross Point. And the reason there are three generations told is because Calliope is a very unique person. Um, when born, the doctor declares Calliope is a girl. But over time, the truth becomes much more complicated. And at age 14, Calliope discovers what intersex means. And of course, this is the 1970s at this point. So this is completely shrouded in shame Mm -hmm. and secrecy. It's called hermaphrodite. It's Mm -hmm. called freak, pretty much. Um, Even the doctors themselves, the doctors that the family goes to, um, a, a little leery about this. Many doctors are not accepting of this. The uh, The book is told from around 2000, the year 2000, in Berlin, when Calliope has become Cal. And he tells the whole crazy genetic story that started back with his grandparents in that tiny village in Greece. Um, this is a big, like, epic type book, which I don't know if, if we really have these much anymore. I don't know if, because this, the, the copy I have, it's like 550 pages. Yeah, it's big. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know if we see this much anymore, but this would be the perfect one. If you have a few days off, mm-hmm. maybe holidays coming up, mm-hmm. this would be the perfect one just it to is. sink into this whole world. Mm-hmm. I remember I read this when it came out. Mm-hmm. But then I read it again recently because oh, I got did. A, I okay. got a copy from Thrift Books. Oh, and you know, okay. like four dollars, and I was like, "Here we go, let's we do go. this." See, that was my main hesitation. Mm-hmm. I haven't reread it, and I I just couldn't. You know, yeah. I tried to get back into it, and then I'm like, I don't know if I'm missing too much. I would mm-hmm. need to reread it. So interesting. Okay, um, I think it's uh, interesting to see again. This was written early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see, or it is interesting to see our culture now versus then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time that I first read this, I was a bit confused about mm-hmm. the main character. I was confused about the notion of intersex. I wasn't mm-hmm. quite clear on what was really happening here. I, I didn't really understand any sort of existence outside the gender binary. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think because I'm older, because, you know, more experience in the world, many more different types of friends, but also because the culture has advanced significantly, I returned to this and I almost returned to it a little afraid. Like, is this going to be dated? Is this going to be like, ugh, you know, this is a guy writing this. This mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, what's this going to be like? But I really enjoyed it. I think mm. it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Okay. 
Um, and I chose it for this theme because I think Calliope is the definition of unique, mm-hmm. very unique person. Um, it takes a lot of time and struggle, but finding himself as Cal is a process of coming to terms with understanding, celebrating his uniqueness. Um, and I think it's just a it's a super touching story, very moving. Each generation that we get to know, we feel very close to. We we want the best for these folks, and especially Calliope slash Cal. You're going to feel some feelings. Feel all the feels. Just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Sink into it. Yes. And enjoy. What would you add from what you remember of this? That's the same thing. I remember when I read it that I loved it. And I remember that feeling of, like you said, it's it's big and but you feel so immersed in it yes. and you don't want it to end and mm-hmm. it's great because you get to see so much and learn so much um but yeah I'm, I'm super interesting to me that you reread it and you think because that was what my concern was yeah. was that i remember loving it i remember thinking oh this is amazing but then i thought oh does it still stand up yeah. or yeah is there going to be some cringy stuff that i don't want to you know we've come a lot farther so yeah but i love that i'm so glad to hear that that it does mm-hmm. still hold up. And, and this was great. my experience. Maybe some other people right. will feel that it's dated, that it's not, yes. quite, it doesn't quite go far enough. And I completely understand that. I felt like it was it was really good. And he's a phenomenal writer. He is. So it's such a great experience to read this and Absolutely. to get to know these people. But when I thought of Unique, this came to my head mm-hmm. right away because the whole story is really centered on how it unique is. this story is. Yeah. Yeah. And unique about this specific genetic mutation, yes. as well as this specific person, mm-hmm. this specific family. Uh, yeah, just kind of mm-hmm. unique all over. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Well, great choice. Ride <laughs> or die. I cannot believe that. That would have been so weird if we had both, at the, like what a weird pick to, from 2003 for and, us both to pick And the it. way that your face transformed, you, just, you had like a look of confusion yeah. and like recognition at the same time and like, you're not going to believe this. Yeah. I was like, what? No way. Yeah. No way. way. No way. Well, it happened. Well, I picked, you know what? We've been saying that my double picks are rare, and I don't know oh. if we can keep saying that, because this is a double this pick. This is another one? Again. All right. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, you, you, like, you like who you like. You follow well, them. And you know what? I think that sometimes when an author has a really big uh, bestseller mm-hmm. that people's tendency is to say oh probably their other books aren't as good mm. and you or you lose track of their back catalog because you didn't know anything about them prior to that so if this is the case for you with celeste ng who mm. wrote little fires everywhere um the first book that i read from her was everything i never told you mm-hmm. and it's a it's a quick little novel and it is it is beautiful and it is heartbreaking and it's funny and it's everything that you want in one little and from that moment on I was like she is a phenomenal writer like she's got it so the book opens with this line Lydia is dead but they don't know this yet (laughs) yeah and so immediately obviously you're gripped in and it's this novel about a Chinese American family that's living in the 1970s in a small town in Ohio so Marilyn and James Lee, um, their daughter Lydia is like their shining star. She does everything right. She gets good grades. She's going places. Um, she's the one that they want to live through. Like she's going to do everything that they couldn't. Um, and this whole dream is shattered when Lydia is found dead in the local lake. Because of that, the family is cracked open and we get to see these intimate portraits of all of them, of how they're dealing with this and what their feelings about Lydia, how they were so wrapped up in their own feelings about themselves. So 
even though this is like an impossible thing to reconcile with, they're all kind of like taking you on this journey of their own responsibility in it. So the first part we learn about the dreams that the mom Marilyn had, that she didn't necessarily want to be a stay-at-home mom. She has very vivid memories of her mom and kind of the the feelings of almost being put upon. Um, a lot of them related to cooking and this family cookbook. And her in her mind thinking, I'm never going to do this. I'm going to break mm-hmm. out. I'm going to do something different to only end up in America and feel like she has to do it a certain way or it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And she has to sacrifice for her husband to be successful or it's not going to work. And then we learn about James Lee, the husband who, you know, when we're looking through Marilyn's eyes, seems like he has everything. He got to do everything and she didn't. But then we learn about all the sacrifices he made and the pressure he's under to be successful so that the family looks good and that the family can continue to be successful. Um, and even though he's been able to have this career he doesn't have the pinnacle of the career that he wants and so he really pushes Lydia all the time when she was alive because he thinks you he knows you have to do more you have to do better Mm -hmm. that's that's the theme Um, her siblings in particular her brother are shaped by the pressure that her success places on them um, to achieve the exact same thing or the fact that they're almost disappointing to some degree because they don't achieve the same level Mm -hmm. so I picked it for this uh, theme because it's emotional and relatable, but it's also really shows both sides of this theme to me. Like it shows the status quo where we're, we often celebrate this idea that we shouldn't show our uniqueness, that you need to blend in. And especially for families that aren't traditional or don't fulfill the traditional American dream, like we've talked about, there's this pressure to achieve a certain something, even though no one can really define that. Yeah. And in, to do that, a lot of times, I feel like you have to push your uniqueness down or give yep. that up. Mm-hmm. But it also shows how one person's uniqueness and one person's own ideas can change everyone around them and can send ripple effects through a family, through a community, through a thought process, how that one person can change so much. And I think in that way, it's it's a, oddly enough, it's, you know, a child dies, but it's a book almost about hope. Wow. And about the idea that we all individually can be responsible for something and we all individually can make change, even if it's a small change and that can have an effect on lots of people around mm-hmm. us. So it's beautiful. It's wonderful. If you liked little fires everywhere, or if you haven't read anything by her, this is a great way to get into it. It's wonderful. It's a delight. <laughs> <laughs> Double picks. Double pick. She's worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we need to go through our back list, see how many double picks you have, because you've had a string of them recently. I have. Yeah. I've had uh-huh. a string. Maybe part of it is you're going back to authors that you know yes. are going to give you something good. I think you that that's that. true. I did read mm-hmm. in, in this time where we've talked about yeah. reading being a little off. I have read author a lot of authors yep. that I already knew I liked their stuff. Like yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't have the emotional bandwidth for another disappointment. <laughs> Oh, I just said, I'm going to go with the known. I can't handle the unknown. <laughs> yeah. I need the known. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I also liked that you kind of touched on like how uniqueness in the American dream might be at odds with yes. each other. 
Absolutely. Is that what you were kind of getting from the book, I think too? they yeah. have to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I, one really doesn't exist with the other. Yeah. They're, I, I think that the American dream sells it, that somehow you're fulfilling something and that makes you unique. Mm-mm. But no, the reality is you have to blend. Yeah, you have to blend. You and you have to, have to want the same thing as everyone else. Yep. And if you don't, or if you're a different kind of human being than what the American is, American yeah. dream is, you're out. It's not going to work. Nope. Yeah. No uniqueness here. Yeah. Blend. You can't control your face. Blend. You are out. You are out. You're basically like the the remnant, the cult from the leftovers. You're all in white and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason it was taking my brain a minute. Be like the remnant, leftovers. Got it. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. All the smoking. No speaking. No speaking. A weird cult. That was a weird cult. Yeah. Cult leaders sometimes, you have a... A lot of power to get people to do some things. Why wouldn't you do something yeah. useful? Like, in this cult, we only bake banana bread. <laughs> like, we'll eat other things, but there will always be banana bread. I like that continually you return to cults <laughs> or religions being centered around food. Well, yeah. That's yeah. the only purpose I see that it could that's serve. True. That would be beneficial. <laughs> I like that cult around the idea of food. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, if you can cook, you're in. And we're not going to make you do weird stuff. There's no. not going to be any weird Mm-mm. sex stuff with the no. leaders and no. the underage people. No. No. Everyone's going to just no. bake their we're gonna hearts We're going to be too out. full on banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, other genre pick. Mm-hmm. Remember last, uh, last episode, you read something hot off the presses. Yes. I did the same. You did. Yes. This book came out on November 17th. Holy buckets. I had finished it within like four days. Okay. This is called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon. Oh, okay. Now, I should mention first a social media account that I've been following for a while, and you may have heard of. It's called Your Fat Friend. It's a woman who, up to this point, was writing anonymously about what it's like living in the world as a fat woman. And she, through that social media account, she was working to teach people pretty much how to be better, (laughs) how to recognize and honor difference of all kinds but especially in body size Mm -hmm. she always wrote anonymously because she received a shit ton of no surprise here death threats rape threats Ah. all the stuff that many outspoken women experience right but all of them informed with like you fat bitch you're Uh. gonna die or concern trolling like oh i'm just worried about your health you can't you got to stop this the concern trolling is just oh Mm. that really gets me so suddenly a few months ago this anonymous uh social media account she announced she had a book coming out with her name and everything and i snapped it up oh yeah So this book is a lot of things. It's part memoir where she tells stories about her own sort of painful experiences of being fat Mm -hmm. on an airplane, in an exercise setting, in grocery stores. So here's an example. Yeah. Um, She's in a grocery store once, minding her business, Mm. getting all the things on her list. Mm -hmm. She notices that there is a thin older woman following her around. Oh, boy. And uh, Aubrey puts a cantaloupe uh, into her cart, and this woman dives into the cart, pulls out the cantaloupe, and says, that's too much sugar for you and puts it back on the shelf are you kidding me no who does that right this woman did that one of many many examples of just weird weird behavior that somehow people justify to themselves because this is a fat person and they need your help no they don't here's another one what she calls fat calling so we all know Uh, about cat calling mm -hmm. um fat calling is when 
people, such as this instance, um, strangers leaning out of car windows. Uh, at one point, she's walking down the street. Someone is screaming fat bitch outside the car window. Uh, one time, a stranger just got into her face and told her how gross she was and how she shouldn't be walking around with short sleeves. So there's there's this. There's part memoir talking yeah. about some of these experiences that are horrific. Yes. And it's also part history, um, examining why we're in this moment where anti-fat bias is so extreme. Mm -hmm. Like, people feel justified in doing some of this stuff. And then it's part sociology and culture sort of exploring why we hate fat. Like, what is it about fat bodies that is so scary to people, disturbing to people? Yeah. So this is not any sort of self-help, body positive kind of thing. In fact, she says the body positive movement has started out sort of promising, but now it's been co-opted by skinny women with one stomach roll and some cellulite influencing on Instagram Mm -hmm. and selling their shit. Mm -hmm. So instead, Aubrey is pushing the discussion further. She's talking about why... For example, it's legal in 48 states to fire fat people without cause. She's talking about why it's perfectly legal and acceptable and common for doctors and healthcare to not treat fat people for actual medical conditions until they lose weight. Yep. Talking about why airplane seats are so fucking uncomfortable for everyone, yeah. not just fat people. Right. And how t- talking about how common it is for violence against fat people Mm. i loved this book so much it's a very quick read yeah um and i particularly liked her really in-depth look at why we believe what we believe about fat you know Mm. i think we've talked a lot about uh we've had a few books here that talk about this and this is dug the most deep i guess Mm. is what i would say in that in the book she says that we see fat as failure um fat people are unlovable They're even morally corrupt. Mm -hmm. Um, Fat people deserve our disgust and our scorn, um, but often disguised as, oh, I'm just worried about your health. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's why I chose it for this theme, because I think um, what she says and what many other books have said is that some people are just born fat. Mm -hmm. Like we all, some are born skinny. Our body sizes are as diverse as our height and just as as meaningful, which is to say not much. Mm -hmm. And the science shows that there's no evidence that fatness equals bad health. And we're unique in body, shape, and size, and that is it. Mm -hmm. End of story. So no matter what size you are, I say read this. You'll feel the same way. You'll understand why this is really a matter of social justice. Mm -hmm. And you'll really understand how terrible some people are. Wow, The grocery store one just kills me. That is, I just... And that just as she's following her around. Yeah, what are you doing? That is, yeah... I shouldn't be surprised by it, but it mm-hmm. still is shocking, mm-hmm. you know, that someone would have the audacity to do something like that. It's just beyond me. But she goes a lot into the concern trolling kind yeah. of stuff that every t- every single post she makes, there's always someone like, why are you glorifying obesity? It's all about you. We got to make sure you're healthy, blah, blah, blah. She digs into why that's just a false way. Yes. And it's usually like if someone calls you on your bias, you're just, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just worried about health. It's like a way of covering up. Absolutely. Some of stuff. Yes. So. Absolutely. Ooh, that sounds good. It's really good. It's yeah. a, and I can lend it to you if you like. Oh, yes. I would yes. like that very okay, much. Great. Okay. Well, uh, all right. So I, for my nonfiction pick, this is, a, it's not hot off the presses, but mm. it's fairly new. Okay. Um, Mine was hotter off the presses. Oh, very. Yeah. Yours is good. like burning. Mine's uh-huh. like simmering. Uh- <laughs> 
So these are books that are burning or simmering. Okay, yeah, which got it. I yeah. don't know why we went to a burning book. I don't know. Thing. I, I know. never do oh that. I would why never did we go do Nazi? that. Why'd we go Nazi? I have no idea. Oh, no. Okay. This book is called A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost. <laughs> <laughs> so I this came out in oh, July. Colin Jost. Yes. And if you don't know who that is, I'm not sure why, but yeah. he's a head writer for SNL. He also co anchors the weekend update on SNL. Um, he recently married Scarlett Johansson. Sure did. So there you go. But this is a series of essays about his life. Um, and they are exactly what you think. They're funny and they're very typical of his humor style. But they're also some of the craziest stories that I've ever heard. And I never would have guessed some of the things about his background. An incredibly unique person, incredibly unique kind of um lifestyle not just because now that he's famous i mean obviously we kind of think celebrities have unique lifestyles because they get to do a lot of stuff i mean even before that like he grew up on staten island um and he got a scholarship to go to a high school so he had to um commute both ways so he spent three hours a day commuting to this high school so he had to take a bus a ferry a subway good lord and he's like 14 so he's telling about things he saw on the staten island ferry like a lady just throwing a stroller overboard okay i Mm -hmm. mean just random things Mm so just that alone is a unique experience to think that you were you know going there to get this great education but you had to go through all these kind of obstacles to get there um he went to harvard Wow. And he was there at the same time as Mark Zuckerberg. And oh, my God. Yes. And very, has very specific memories of saying, that's never going to be a thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he jokes about it a lot in the book. Oh. But yeah, he was there Did at the he predict that it would almost ruin democracy? Too? Uh, like, no, oh, I don't know. He okay. didn't go that far. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it, the book opens, he didn't start speaking until he was four, which Whoa. yeah is very strange and odd. And so he has lots of things to say about that. But just stories like that, that are just very unique. His mom was the uh, medical chief officer for the uh, New York Fire Department. Oh, wow. So she was intimately involved in 9-11. She was there helping people. Um, she was saved twice by a firefighter that day from the buildings falling on her. Oh That's how close she was. Yeah. So a lot of really interesting stories that'll kind of touch you, but are also hilarious. Um, he did speech and debate in high school with some of the very well-known names in the news world now, like Hallie Jackson. Um, he remembers losing to them to, uh, oh, I lost Josh Gad. He oh says gosh. that he didn't even keep track of him, and he went to a Broadway show and saw that he's like, "Oh, there's another Josh Gad." And oh then my he realized, God. Oh no, no, that's, that's the guy my, that won that's everything. The guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. the guy. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, he also worked as a reporter for a Staten Island paper right out of college, which his stories from that are great. Um, and of course, part of what I loved was there was all these little nuggets from his SNL time mm-hmm. um, s- sketches that he wrote. Because um, if you're familiar with SNL, they a lot of times they don't take credit for the sketches until mm-hmm. way after. And he, he talks about that, that that's very specific because they want writers to have the freedom to kind of go a little weird. Yeah. And if you know your name's going to be attached to it all the time, they think that oh, might that's hinder. that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. And it's supposed to be more collective. So yeah. they don't want people kind of keeping track of like, oh, where's this sketch, you know? But he does say a few that he wrote. And one of them, which happens to be my husband's favorite, Drunk Uncle. I didn't <gasps> know that he was responsible for all the Oh, that's drunk a beautiful uncles. one. It's so good. Oh. And he has a joke in there where he said, every time that aired, my uncle would text me and say, we good? <laughs> <laughs> so... 
I picked it for this theme because it's obviously very unique. He obviously mm-hmm. has a very unique life trajectory, but it's also he makes fun of some of the ways in which he feels like he's not unique. I mean, he jokes about his very punchable face because mm-hmm. he's like the whitest white guy yeah. that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So he talks a lot about that and his experience with that and how he's had to reconcile some of the privileges that he's had that you know other people might not have um and so i love that he owns all of that and it's also really entertaining and it's funny um i myself listened to the audiobook because oh, is I it knew, him yeah oh that's yeah. great yeah him reading it i was like i'm gonna listen to the yeah. audiobook and it was great yeah it was wonderful so there's a whole section in there about how many times he's actually pooped his pants as an adult <laughs> and it is more than you think like yeah oh that's i know that's gratifying yeah, Mike and I had a discussion because I'm not talking about like, oh, you sort of had an accident on the way to the bathroom. He like tells the stories and wow, full on pooped his pants. So even so. the head writer of SNL will poop his pants. Mm-hmm. There's some that great. You, I good. thought of you a bunch because yeah, he because talks, I poop my pants. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was a bad transition. <laughs> I haven't actually. I, I have neared multiple times, but I have oh not. Oh my god, sorry about that transition. No. <laughs> Because as a head writer of SNL, before that, he was just a writer and he worked a lot under Seth Meyers and he oh. uh, attributes a lot of his um, success and writing abilities to Seth. He considers Love him it. a very good re- friend. They did some traveling together. There's uh-huh. some stuff about that in the book that's great. I have gone so, on record as a huge fan of Seth Meyers. Yes. So that transition does make sense That's now. why I was it not because of the It wasn't just about pants. pooping pants. No, okay, no, great. No. He talks about that Seth Meyers is actually the one that asked him if he wanted to become a head writer and he oh. gave him a really like fancy fountain pen and Colin's like, I still have never used that pen. <laughs> I still have it because it's that special to him. Yeah, it's from it. Seth Meyers. Yeah, so I get that. Mm-hmm. I would talk about. Um, I one of the things I love is when Leslie Jones was on and she would flirt with him mm-hmm. a lot. He talks a lot about. There's a lot of little tidbits about oh, Leslie Jones I love in it. there. Yeah. It's I just great. love because she would often say like "you sexy man" and yeah. it was fantastic. <laughs> yes, yes. And he would get red, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. And he there's a lot of great tidbits, but what I love about it too is it's not like a tell-all gossipy like "oh, this person was terrible at SNL" or "this host was great" or "this guy." It, it's more just about the atmosphere, how the mm-hmm. right, how his particular writing process works, about how his life kind of turned out, and it's really interesting and it's a lighthearted kind of way to go through it. So I will tell you that the 9-11 chapter got me. I mean, I cried a little bit because it was intense. Him talking about his mom being there and him Uh being worried because he knew that, you know, she was probably there and... It's interesting that he shares a lot with Pete Davidson, who he grew does, up in yes. Staten Island yes. and had a dad that died on 9-11. Yep. And like, mm-hmm. wow. He talks about that. Yeah. yeah about I mean, how- I know their age is different, but yeah. Yeah, because um, he was in college at 9-11 and Pete Davidson was like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But he talks about that at the beginning about how much reporters hate Pete Davidson. So they'll often say to him like, oh, we love you, but we hate. He's like, my interviews often turn into things about how much people hate Pete what? Davidson. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's weird. I know. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the interviews. I love so much when Colin Jost will show up often on Seth Meyers with Michael Che. Yes. And they will, you know, do back and forth. And Che will talk about how he routinely is basically trying to get Colin Jost killed. Yes. He talks about how he, you know, all the posts about like, oh, look how racist Colin is. And like, yes. All the jokes he makes him tell. It's fantastic. That's the best part of Weekend Update when he gets yes. him to say something on yes. air and you're like, oh, no. Like yeah. when they were doing the thing where I wrote a joke and he hasn't seen it yep. yet. Mm-hmm. And 
Colin. Yeah. It's always about Colin being like a white power mm-hmm. guy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also, it's an interesting look because I guess I knew that he was a writer for SNL, but you kind of forget that when he's yeah. on Weekend Update. Yeah, that's true. And you think about him behind the scenes that he said a lot more of his time and energy. I mean, it's writing the sketches and helping make sure that they go well and, you know, working with the actors on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of puts a different level or yeah, characteristic to Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So did he meet Scarlett Johansson by hosting? Was she hosting? And then um, he did meet her the first time and he worked okay. there. And uh-huh. he, she claims, according to him, that she thought he was cute. And mm. he said, there's no way because he was wearing like six year old New Balance <laughs> sneakers and like old jeans. So he and... was not representing his best self. No, on the I don't day think they met. so. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, hmm. well, I guess you you glowed up. He did. Colin Jost. I mean, he's, he's and I love that his continual joke in the book is about how punchable his face is. <laughs> So that is pretty great. Yeah. I have seen that cover and I'm like, that's, that's pretty awesome. It's a perfect cover. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really enjoyable, easy read, but also unique. That sounds perfect. Yeah. little palate cleanser, if you will. Well, I, for pop culture, mm-hmm. I chose a documentary Ooh. that is on HBO Max. Okay. Which uh, you and I were earlier talking about, how the hell do we get HBO Max? <laughs> Because we're apparently like 65 and we can't figure it out. Oh, my God. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, I figured it out and I got it. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm working on it. (laughs) I will catch up to you. (laughs) I've got some of the content, but not all for some reason. And this is one of the things I watched first. Um, This is uh, pretty new. Came out uh, just a little while ago. It's called Transhood. Mm. And the concept is fantastic. It follows four kids in Kansas City from 2014 to 2019, and all four kids are transgender, ranging in age from about four to about 15 at the start in Mm -hmm. 2014. And the first thing I should say is that if you look this up online, you're going to see a lot of conservative Christian backlash. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, When I was looking up, like, different things about the documentary, just to make some notes, um, I saw a lot of headlines talking about, oh, these parents are forcing their kids into this for publicity, or this is pedophilia. It's it's real gross and real weird. How is it? Okay. I have no idea. Okay. Just know that going in, that you may see that if you Google this. Yeah. Um, But here's why I think this has such a backlash, uh, besides just the issue of trans. It shows these kids being kids Mm -hmm. um, who, and these kids, they know they're just born a little bit different uh, in bodies that don't match their gender. And the documentary is just, it's just normal. Like Mm -hmm. this is just what happens. And I think that's what conservatives and Christians are worried about is that we will see these as just people, just kids and not some sort of monsters Mm -hmm. because they're continually trying to paint them as monsters. Um, The documentary, it talks to these kids as well as the parents. And because it's shot over time, you see how some things change, but some don't. Like, most notably, the kids know right away who they are. And Mm. over that time, it doesn't change. Mm -hmm. They're they're getting almost more uh, convinced of who they are over time. You also see some of the uh, pain and violence they're up against just every goddamn day just for existing. Mm. And there are some super touching moments, especially when you see some of the parents supporting their kids unconditionally. It's really beautiful and refreshing to see. Um, there's also some shocking, infuriating moments. There's a bathroom bill that passes in Kansas, where this mm-hmm. is, uh, that incentivizes being found out. Like it literally gives kids who find a transgender kid in their bathroom like $2,500. Like, we've heard all sorts of these bathroom bills, right? Oh but this gosh. is insane. <laughs> so 
there's also one family, one mom in particular, that changes her thoughts over time in some really upsetting ways. But I chose this for this theme because it's about celebrating all the different ways Mm -hmm. that we are, including our gender expression and just uh, how unique we are. And we're all human and all, you know, these arbitrary rules about who we should be and how we should look or hurtful, especially when it comes to kids. Mm -hmm. Because they're just living their damn lives. They're great kids. You're really going to like them as you watch this. You're going to like some of their parents even more. It's wonderful. Wow, that sounds great. Mm Mm-hmm. Have to see if I get that on my version of HBO Max. <laughs> you will see too because because it's shot from 2014 to 2019. You kind of know what some things are coming. Like you know, in 2016, oh shit, here we go. You know, yeah. with, with politics, right? You know, once we're in 2017, some things are changing nationally wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a ride. Mm. I love that they shot it over time. I know it's give, so cool. Yeah, lots of yeah. context. Yeah, and you you get to grow with these kids as some of them are taking treatments and some of them are, one of them is old enough that she's seeking um, gender confirmation surgery. So you Mm. see her talking to the doctor and it's, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I also picked something for pop culture from HBO or HBO Max or whatever, whatever version I have, I got to watch it on there. Um, and it's a dark comedy that came out in 2018 and there is already confirmed a second season, but there's just one season out right now. So you can catch up before it comes out. It's called The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, I never did see this. It is something. Okay. So it stars John Goodman as the head of an evangelical televangelist family. So Mm. they make their money by being on TV Mm -hmm. and preaching the good word. Preaching that word. And Danny McBride. Oh. is the oldest son, Jesse. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to take over the family business, and he has a family with three boys, including Gideon, who is played by Skylar Jasanto, who is the wannabe rapper from Booksmart. That she, oh, my God. Yes, that I thought was so funny. So he <laughs> yes. plays Gideon, yeah. his okay. son. Great, great, great. And mm-hmm. um, so Jesse, played by Danny McBride, he's a huge jerk and not at all aware of how ridiculous he is and mm-hmm. how much his family's falling apart around him. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Devine is the youngest son, Kelvin, mm. who is also the youth pastor. Oh, no. And his character alone is worth watching the show for. Yeah, okay. um, Edie Patterson plays Judy, who's the daughter that's right in the middle. Um, and she's spoiled and bratty and basically struggling for any kind of acceptance as a female in her family's very religious world. So this is their struggle to maintain their dominance and kind of actually even live their beliefs, um, particularly as a loving family. Their mother, uh, Amy Lee, who's... Amy Lee? Yeah, that's her name, Amy Lee. That's my first and middle name. She's played by Jennifer Nettles um, on the show, mm-hmm. who is, uh, if you are a country fan, like Sugarland, and I think she went out oh, on her own a little bit. Okay. She has a beautiful voice, which I didn't even recognize her. I saw that later, but anyway. So she's in there sometimes with the flashback things, but she died, and so the family has been struggling to figure out how to get along. The dad can't seem to bring them all together, and in the background is this thing that they make money hand over fist, so they're there's some corruption there because mm. it's about the money yeah. now and it's not really about the, the Bible or the teachings. Yeah. They're going into small towns and poaching churches basically oh, to no. get their believers. Yeah. So it's very, it's interesting. The supporting cast is also amazing. You have Walter Goggins who plays baby Billy Freeman. There's oh. some great storytelling, some great writing. It's a dark comedy. So there's a lot of humor, but 
in a weird way, I actually ended up rooting for some of the characters, not all of them, mm-hmm. and not for a lot of reasons, um, because it's a really clever show in the sense that it's pointing out how ridiculous this stuff is, but at the heart of it, it's also just a show about family and how sometimes in our need to be seen a certain way, we don't always do the most loving things for the members of our family, mm-hmm. or we're not as accepting of the people that live right next to us as we should be. Mm-hmm. Or we're not living what we say we believe in. So there's a lot of that. Um, I picked it for this theme because it's an example to me of trying to strip away someone's uniqueness. And ultimately, it's always going to come out. Yeah. Like each of these kids are almost being molded to be a very specific thing. To keep this money train going. To be Mm. a preacher. To bring the money in. To be a certain way. To look a certain way. But really, they're all very unique and if they could just use those talents, they'd probably be better served. Yeah. But, you know, I can't do that. So all the kids are unique and they're all really uniquely messed up. So mm. and it's it's good. We Mike and I binge watched it so fast. It was so funny. I remember and, seeing the like trailers for it and it looked mm-hmm. hilarious. I don't think at the time I had HBO, so I couldn't watch it. Right. Now I can because can. I got Max. You got, just you got the stuff now. I got the mess. Whatever that means, you got it. I got it. You got it. And I will tell you that there's a song in there called Misbehaving that is, it's a flashback scene at one time that Amy Lee and her brother, um, when they were younger, they became popular for. So that's how this whole money train got started. Oh. And they sing and dance to it. And I found out that they wrote that song for that show. And I think it won an Emmy. Oh my and gosh. it is worth it because wow. holy buckets that was so i thought for sure it was an old song like i thought for sure it was an old real song and they wrote it for the show it's unbelievable hmm do you think we could make money um televangelizing for our food-based religion yeah Yeah. i think you have to just be confident and believe in it and don't let anyone get in your way is what Mm. i learned from them so it doesn't really matter how if you need to run them over with the range rover that's okay (laughs) that is okay so it doesn't matter how good the banana bread is. No. It just matters that we use if power. If can sell it. Okay, mm-hmm. if we can sell it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you can sell it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can, can have it. a really big church with big plates for people to put money in <laughs> and a vault to keep it in. So they put money in and then they get a slice of banana bread. Yeah. And then we say, all your sins have been forgiven. Yep. Okay. And your slice of banana bread depends on how big of a money oh, item you put in the Oh, that's plate. a good point. Mm-hmm. If you don't put a lot in, you just get like a corner yeah, or something. Yeah, just get like a little nugget. Keep yeah, working at it. Yeah, nugget. Mm-hmm. But you put a lot in, you get a bit a thick hunk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah, it really this is. is. This is good. It is. It is something. Hmm. It's a okay. great name. There's, so another season is coming. Yes, okay, another great. season. Now it got delayed, obviously, like everything else yeah, because yeah. of the pandemic. Now I did hear, and I don't know if it's true because we're kind of around Christmas time and I haven't heard anything else about it, but um, Danny McBride was quoted as saying they were trying to put together like a one-hour Christmas special of them <laughs> doing a Christmas special. And he said that that was a go, but I don't know because we all mm. know we kind of yeah. hit this second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever wave we're in. Yeah, we're just in the waves. We're in we're it. Just like so I'm not sure that that's waves. happening, but they did say in 2021, season two will be out. So, man, 2021 uh, might uh, be a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of pent up pop culture mm-hmm. coming at us. And if you, what I also like about this, I do want to say, because if the premise you're like, oh, you know, it there's some redeeming qualities about the characters too that mm-hmm. is an interesting way, I think, that they took the writing that you end up kind of, wanting them to succeed mm-hmm. which is 
Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. If you can make a unlikable character, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. We were born this way. Yeah. Born this way, Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. I just now I'm picturing her song fading out and us just being like, that's it. Oh, I was picturing the mucus again. There was a loud. Oh, oh, right to the mucus. All right. I just remember like playing the video and I was like, whoa, I did not remember this graphic, weird space. See, I did remember, which is why I didn't rewatch the video. Okay. Okay. I mean, I liked it. I mean, I I appreciate it as an artistic endeavor. Yeah. And I don't want to go on his record as saying I don't like anything of Lady Gaga because I just really celebrate all of her. Of course. But that video you were not um that's it's something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but then a few years later she was in you know um uh a thank star you is born. suddenly mm-hmm. all the words just went away well yeah. it happens yeah. oh but born this way born stars born uh, stars so many yeah. borns so many borns so many borns oh, okay mm-hmm. yeah. now i have shallow in my head <laughs> <laughs> and it's like i'm in a starbucks again <laughs> oh my god that was everywhere can yeah. you imagine sitting in a sp- starbucks right now and just hearing shallow I, I would go do that. I would probably cry. Yeah. I'd probably just be crying in my coffee. Oh, I'd just be happy that like 2020 is over because I assume that's going to happen. That's like, what I mean. Yeah. I would now. just be like, yeah, how like, could this be any better? Yes. And before like, I would I'm be so like. happy. Yeah. 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 I don't know when I'll ever sit in a Starbucks again. I don't either. I don't know when I'll feel comfortable going anywhere, really. I know. I know. It's, it's like I always knew everything was a dumpster fire. Yeah. And then you actually find out it, it is, is. And you're like, oh, well, yeah. now there's no going back. The good news is while this might not be over, Mm -hmm. we will be back. We sure will. Next Wednesday. We will. And until then, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open? The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.